This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with episode 44 as the New York Rangers take all of us on this wild roller coaster ride through the trade deadline, through the New York Islanders. Uh, there's ups and downs, and there's spins and twirls, and and you just don't know what to, to make of anything anymore because we're getting hit left and right. We had the, the accident. We had the signing. We had the trade. We had the beatdown in Long Island. So we're going to cover it all. We're going to walk you through the trades because there is a couple of moves that there I think we need to talk about and kind of break down and uh, discuss because I think there were a lot of moves made that were not on the table before the accident. So we're going to break that down and we're going to talk about uh, just the state of the New York Rangers as a whole. And let's just jump right into it. Uh, I know I'm a little bit beat. I had a game at 1045 last night. We tie it with less than a minute left. We win it in overtime. So I was riding a high at like 2 a.m. Didn't fall asleep. Had to be up by, you know, 7 o'clock this morning to get to work. So, uh, but right now, the the Ranger game last night is keeping me awake. Andy, how are you doing? Uh What's going on? I'm also a little tired, but I, unlike you, I didn't have a game going on. I had some uh, friends over to watch the game last night, uh, including some Islander fans. So I was pumped after uh, OT heroics from Panarin and Zabanajad. And even uh, I had, was drinking before and after they left, I was still so amped up uh, from the win. You know, I was still had a, a, yeah, a few a few other drinks. So uh, thinking I didn't have to be in the city for work until 2 p.m. only to get a uh, phone call from my boss at uh, seven o'clock asking if I can make it into the city. So, yeah, that was a little rough. But uh, I mean, I'm still amped on the uh, on the victory. Um, And I credit to you, James, because I was very nervous, uh, as I said in our last episode, going after the trade deadline based on especially some of the news that I'm sure we'll get to. And you assured me that you didn't think this team would miss a beat because uh, just the way things are going for them and the way they're, 
it's just they're finding a way in the in the positivity that seems to be on their side right now. And lo and behold, you seem to be right. But uh, yeah, let's. I think we should definitely jump into uh, everything that happened and get everyone up to speed. Yeah. So first, let's start with. Uh, the, I believe from the last time we spoke, the New York Rangers beat the San Jose Sharks at home, and then they went down to uh, Carolina and they beat the Carolina Hurricanes. So we entered the trade deadline on a nice winning streak. I believe that was seven road wins in a row, and everything was turning up rags. I mean, it was was a a 10-game span, which the Rangers have absolutely played stellar hockey. Everything's clicking in the defensive zone. Uh, They're scoring goals. They're getting contribution up and down the lineup. You know, everything was great. And here we are. Every I, I believe the the fan base was pretty much split 50-50 on how we should approach this uh, trade deadline. Should we hold hold our cards close and, and kind of uh, wait for another uh, day to make moves and maybe make the bigger moves in the summer and kind of ride out the season, hopefully make the playoffs? And then the morning of the trade deadline, I, we should start with this because this was true the true beginning of the trade deadline that took us on a crazy spin. A crazy tweet gets out. I don't even know who it was, but I believe Bob McKenzie retweeted it. So I had legs that Pavel Buchnevich and Igor Shishurkin were in a car accident Sunday evening in Brooklyn. And Igor uh, had uh, displaced ribs or the broken ribs or whatever. And Pavel Buchnevich was just shaken up. Now, before we get into you know the details and stuff like that, what was your initial thought reading the tweet? I didn't think it was true. I just thought people were kind of blowing smoke, but then it actually turned out to be true. Yeah, I thought it was a, a, a load of malarkey and just thought it was someone being cute or trying to be cute. And I didn't think it was funny, uh, but then you hear that John Davidson was going to hold a press conference and... So then you're running through scenarios in your head and you're like, well, if it's you don't hold a press conference to say they traded someone unless they were getting someone crazy back. So then I'm like, does it have something to do with Hank? Because, you know, you would think, well, maybe he's going to move in this. That would definitely be moving on from Hank would definitely be something you would need uh, to have a press conference for. But then I was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, so then I thought it might be some combination of Lundqvist uh, moving on and them re-signing Kreider. And then I was like, do you, I thought, like you said, back to that tweet. And I was like, uh, well, I got that uneasy feeling. Like, what if this, uh, there is legs to this and this is true? So, yeah, I was, uh, I was very nervous. And then obviously uh, that press conference finally comes on and literally the first things out of JD's mouth is that, you know, at last night in Brooks, Brooklyn at approximately whatever. And I'm like, ah, like, and you knew that, uh, that, yeah, that, uh, Bucci and, uh, Igor were in a car accident and, uh, yeah, date, Butch day to day, Igor, week, like you said, week to week with the displaced, uh, rib, which I think is as far as broken ribs go, apparently isn't the worst thing in the world. It's better than it being like, like an actual, like a, like a bad fracture. I don't, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a uh, physician, so don't, you know, get on me if I'm botching this, but as far as 
broken ribs go, it's it stinks, but it's not the end of the world. And and listen, we're we're just thankful that both guys are okay. But obviously, it's 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 a very sobering way to start uh, the trade deadline, you know. So absolutely, and you know, it's one of those things where everything was turning up Rangers. Igor couldn't lose, and you you take the blow. You know, obviously, Buchnevich is a huge part of this team and a huge part of the recent success that they've had. But, you know, you kind of got the news that he was day to day. So you're like, OK, we, we're fine with Buchnevich. But then hearing the news about Igor, you're like, oh, man, this is kind of like a huge step backwards. Like and now you now you're intrigued on how the Rangers are going to approach the rest of the day, because, you know, it was kind of based on the fact that we had three goaltenders. And now you're telling us that we have two. So, I mean, obviously not the worst problem in the world to have, to have three, you know, legitimate, you know, goaltenders in, you know, on your roster. But, you know, when one of them potentially could have been a big trade piece, you know, kind of humbles you a little bit and say, ah, oh, no, you know, we're kind of back to, you know, the normal Rangers just being a normal team and not holding all these assets. You know, one of our assets is now hurt until probably, let's be realistic, uh, I mean, he's going to be reassessed in, in a couple weeks. I would imagine it's going to be a couple weeks after that. So you're probably talking about the end of March, beginning of April to, you know, have Igor return. And even so, you know, how is he going to be? You know, that's a long time off uh, battling an injury where there's just a ton of discomfort. Uh, I know ribs, there's really nothing you can do except kind of be still. And, and, you know, hopefully he's young enough where he can recover quickly. But at the same time, you got to realize that, this is going to be a, a nagging injury and it's going to be annoying for him to deal with, especially being a goaltender and, and basically, you know, having to keep his mobility to a minimum over the next month as he heals up. So uh, luckily we have George and Hank and uh, you know, just uh, you got to, you know, ride those two out to the end of the season in my eyes. But at the same time, JD also announced uh, a wild move that Chris Kreider was signed. Now, Andy, what were your thoughts when you heard that news? So if you remember on our last podcast, you asked me what the chance of Chris Kreider either leaving or resigning is. And I think I changed my answer to 60% him going to sign 40% they'd trade him. Yep. And uh, it turns out because it seemed because everyone kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was gone. But I, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Even seeing what some of the other players were going for, and as it, the day kind of early on unfurled, seeing that Joe Sackick literally, you know, looked in the, for coupons in his wallet and got Nemestikov for uh, from Ottawa, that I was like, yeah, I just knew that some people were going to be very gun shy to play. Uh, sorry, to pay the price that the Rangers were setting for Kreider, and it just seems that that's the world. Uh, we're kind of living in now is in terms of a, the cap and b the, how useful uh, draft picks are and young players playing on ELCs are. So yeah, I just kind of had a feeling they resigned him. So then obviously I just go, what's the number? What's the number I hear? They gave him seven years and I was furious. I was absolutely livid. Then they say the number is 6.5 and I'm like, all right, I'm not, that fear i'm i'm mad i'm still mad but i'm like at least it's under seven they didn't totally cave they semi caved i assume chris caved on the seven and went down to 6.5 and they caved on they were probably offering like 
five or six and they caved to him and gave him seven kind of meets meets in the middle. Both parties are like, oh, whatever. So then I was like, all right. And then I look at the, the the details come out for the structure of the contract and you realize that he only has it's front loaded. He only has protection for the first um, he only he has a full no trade for the first uh, four years. And then after that, I believe the three years after that, it becomes limited no trade with, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have a 10 team list or whatever. And then each uh, in the final two years, the the, con- the salary, actual salary drops like, uh, you know, a thousand each year. So I was like, okay, so it's not, it's definitely sets it up to be either, bu- you know, able to buy him out. And if it's God forbid, the worst case scenario or trade him. So, and that, that number with cap projections in the next few seasons, I think it, it won't be, it won't be egregious. It might, you know, it could be a bad contract, but it probably won't be egregious. So that kind of brought me back off the ledge a little bit, you know, at the end of the day, Kreider, if you're going to bet on someone, at least Kreider is a physical specimen he keeps in tremendous shape. You know, his game is a power game. So even if maybe he loses a little bit of speed, you hope his abilities in front of the net, like a Pavelski or something that won't go away for a while and he'll be a useful player. Uh, so I obviously I was very upset at first on. And, you know, the other thing is I was upset because I thought with the way this team has been playing and, tr- and trending, this would be the last chance for the Rangers to acquire any extra assets at during uh, the draft, you know, so I'm like, all right, well now they're not getting a first, but then, uh, you know, as uh, I should have known better than to, uh, not trust Jeff. And I guess you can tell everyone what, what happened next. Well, wild move probably towards the end of, uh, the trade deadline as the final hour approached, you kind of heard rumblings that Brady Shea will be sent to Carolina. And then, and then there were rumors a little bit that the trade couldn't get through because they couldn't make the cap work. So then I was like, oh, man, like we're really not going to do like any major tra- trades here. And sure enough, the trade ends up getting through. And I find out it's official that the Rangers get a first round draft pick from the Carolina Hurricanes for Brady Shea. And I am ecstatic. But I'll reverse myself a little bit because I wasn't really happy with the Chris Kreider signing. My thought process was, I mean, looking at his stats and his career so far, that he was a 40 to 50 point player, and that's all he's going to be. And you just signed him for seven years and at a six, you know, and a half million dollar, you know, uh, annual average uh, payment. I thought we overpaid for him and I didn't I don't see the long term benefits. I know people like they like Kreider. They think he's great and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not here to have good guys on my team. I'm here to win hockey games and be in the best cap situation so I can bring in players that will be able to contribute a little bit more than what Kreider is able to. With that being said, you know, kind of seeing as the details of the signing actually were released, I kind of felt like you. I felt a little bit more comfortable about it. Uh, you know, knowing Chris Kreider's, you know, build his, he's kind of a freak athlete and he's got a freak build to him. Uh, he's very smart, uh, and educated. Uh, so I believe that he's going to take good care of himself going forward. I, I, I'm less than every day. I'm less and less aggravated by it. There's a part of me that kind of wishes with this draft class, uh, we've got we ha- we had another asset going into it, but you know what? It is what it is. We locked down Chris Kreider, and and you know hopefully he is a key piece and, and continues this this output that he has uh, delivered on his uh, you know uh, 
final year of his contract. Of course, everyone always over delivers this year, which is why I didn't agree with the people that wanted to sign him. That being said, we get a first round pick for Brady Shea and I'm ecstatic. I don't know what Carolina's thinking. I think Carolina got duped in this one. I think that they're blinded by the fact that they can get these two NHL defensemen into their system. Obviously they traded uh, another, I forget a prospect and a pick for, uh, 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 what a Vatnin, yeah, and from yeah, yeah, from the New Jersey Devils, and they bring in those two, you know, defensemen, thinking that they're going to make the playoffs and and kind of roll with it, even though they didn't address their goalie issues. Uh, yeah, at, in looking at it, the Rangers won. In my eyes, they made a little bit more room to sign Tony D'Angelo. I mean, break this all down. This is like your forte. I I, I love listening to you talk about these trades because you make me feel good. I'm sure you're you're making the listeners feel good. So why don't you break this down and and uh, and sure. So I'll start with angle. I'll start with what the Rangers get out of the Rangers get out of Brady Shea's contract. So Brady, you know, he's was uh, following a very successful rookie campaign. The Rangers give him a, a contract that's a little generous, but ultimately, if he takes that next step. And he, if he became McDonough's uh, successor, it would have been a, a steal of a contract based on how he played that rookie year. You know, unfortunately, that that step never came. He's a little bit too indecisive in his decision making. Uh, he has, you know, he has flashes. You see a guy who maybe in Carolina, they, it can be a steadying influence for him. They can, you know, especially how good their D is. You stick him on a second pairing or something. Or hell, even if you play him up front with the... Slavin or Pesci, you know, I forget who plays on the right and who's on the left, but whatever. Um, it can be worth the money. But that being said, now the Rangers are able to get out of a contract they probably regretfully overpaid for, and they get a first-round pick. Now, Ranger fans were prepared to get a first-round pick for Kreider, but we thought it would be uh, probably a team like Boston or or the Avalanche or even St. Louis. So, or even Dallas. So, it, you know, you're, you're thinking it'll be a you know, for 25 to 31 pick anywhere or whatever within that frame. Now you, you re- understand that they send it to Carolina owes the Rangers a first round pick. Carolina has two first round picks or had two, I should say had two first round picks uh, going into this draft because uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs gave them a first to take on uh, Patrick Marlowe's uh, contract. Um, but what the apparently that Toronto pick has top 10 protection on it. So if Toronto, for whatever reason, if they finish outside of the playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs and they just lost Muzzin with a broken hand and they've been an inconsistent mess, if it if they end up picking in the top 10, that pick slides to next season, which means uh, Carolina has to give the Rangers their own pick. They Carolina gets to choose which pick they give the Rangers. But if that Toronto pick ends up sliding to next year, uh, then Carolina is forced to get their own pick. And Carolina is a team that has been struggling with injuries mightily, hence why they go out and they get Brady Shea and Sammy Vatnin, uh, because they both their main goaltenders are hurt. They've called up Alex Nedeljkovic and whatever his face his under under his understudy is. Uh, and they're trying to plug in for because they lose. Uh, yeah, they lose. Uh, Brett Pesci and, and Dougie Hamilton for a while. So that, you know, these Brady and Vatnin are essentially stop gaps. So for the Rangers to not only maybe move on from a guy who 
is not a bad defenseman. I will say this. Brady Shea is a guy who's a little bit misunderstood. He's uh, he's definitely a league average replacement goal uh, defenseman, but he was put in a role he wasn't suited for. He's played above his head and he was a little bit overpaid. But to not only get out from that contract to free up some salary to repay a guy like Tony D'Angelo going forward and to get a first round pick that it is the odds will be much higher than a first round pick you could get for Kreider. It's kind of it's definitely left me at the end of the day feeling like the Rangers had done what they needed to do. I was happy because they end up getting the assets. I didn't think it was possible to get a first round pick for Brady Shea, but I think it's one of those cases where they're gambling on a change of scenery, doing him some good. And also the fact that, you know, sometimes we're kind of watching guys. We're kind of blinded to their value. So who knows? The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I mean, it's hard. Yes. Yeah, I think it was a very, uh, prescient move by Jeff and, uh, and JD to get out from that contract. And yeah, uh, now it gives, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty obvious now that, Fox and Lindegren are our top pairing in their first NHL season. Go figure. But they've it, that's how they've emerged. And I think that's the only reason the Rangers wouldn't have done this if they felt it was uh, they were throwing the young guys to the wolves and they felt like they can handle it. And they said, you know what? We we're paying Brendan Smith all this money. We might as well stick them back on D. So, you know, um, all in all, I guess at the end of the day, I was I think it was a, a great move to move on from Brady. And obviously we wish him the, the best of luck, not when he plays the Rangers, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was happy with that move. I think that was a nice bit of last minute uh, wizardry by Gorton. Yeah. I think, you know, Carolina to look at their situation, they're in an interesting spot because of the success they had last year in the playoffs. And they kind of don't want that season to be an anomaly. And, and, you know, they had some injuries and, I don't think they want to use that as an excuse of why they took a step back this year. Um, they went out and they got Trocheck and, uh, you know, they got the two defensemen to fill in, you know, those gaps that they had uh, on the defensive end of the game. Uh, everyone thought that they were going to address the goalie situation since they had both goalies hurt. And obviously they beat the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, David Ayers, I think his name is, uh, the Zamboni driver goalie who won <laughs> them the game, uh, which is a great story. You know, but after that, you know, they thought, you know, going into the trade deadline that they would, you know, at possibly add a goaltender. I personally don't really know who was out there that uh, really would have filled their needs that they would have been able to. I mean, they're kind of under uh, a little bit of a jam with the cap space. And I think they're just going to roll out um, their uh, their third string. Uh, what the hell is his name? I forget his name now. But Alex Ndelkovic. Yes. And kind of ride it out, and hopefully their two goaltenders are healthy, and you know, healthy enough to go into the playoffs and and hopefully make a run. But it's not a guarantee that they make the playoffs. I mean, there it, there's a lot of teams. I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be battling till the very end. The Islanders are they loaded up, so they're they're looking to grab that first wild card spot, the bare minimum. You know, they're probably shooting for another uh, series against the Pittsburgh Penguins where they can face off um, as that th- third uh, third seed and, and hopefully knock Philadelphia to the wild card. Because I don't realistically, I don't see Washington and Pittsburgh moving from the positions that they're in. Um, and then you got the New York Rangers. And obviously the, we got to root as a Ranger fan, you got to root now for the Florida Panthers who are only uh, two points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs with a game in hand. And I'm not sure who holds that tiebreaker. I think, 
the first tiebreaker goes to regulation wins. I'm not sure who has that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be very interesting because, you know, Florida were kind of sellers, the, you know, getting rid of Trocheck and stuff like that. But, you know, going in, obviously, there's a Rangers podcast. Were the Rangers buyers or sellers here? Because I heard this question being thrown around, and it was pretty interesting to see how uh, the analysts kind of looked at the New York Rangers situation and what they did at the deadline. Yeah, I mean... I guess it's weird because I think I don't know if you can honestly say they were either like, yes, it's like, oh, they didn't get rid of Fost uh, and they re-signed Kreider. So are are they self-buyers? And I didn't really get that as much as I think no matter what, I think if you take a bath on Val, because let's face it, uh, I love Jesper Fost. And but he's a guy that is worth way more to the New York Rangers than he is on the open market based on his age, his his road miles. And, you know, he's the type of guy that GMs love. But at the the end of the day, you're not if Vlad Nemestikov fetches what was like, was it a fourth or something like that? Mm -hmm. Like Foss might get a third or who knows? Even it might still they'd look at his stats and they say, well, Nemestikov got a fourth and he's a center and he plays all these things. He's you know, here's a fourth for Jesper Foss. If you look at how Jesper Foss has played with Panarin and Strom, is he really, is it worth like at the end of the day, is that fourth going to really change your life? It could. I mean, yes, I know there are always fly like, you know, it's, it's, it's important to have as many flyers, you know, dirt for the, uh, um, the trade. I mean, so for, sorry for the draft as possible. Cause they're all extra kicks at the can, but I just think for this team that's this young, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I'll explain it like this. Jesper Faust is kind of like that, you know, when you're drunk draw, you have that little multi-tool that has like a screwdriver and like nail clippers and a little pair of scissors and like a flashlight. Like you have nicer tools in your garage, but if you were hanging out with, let's say you come over my, my house, James, and we're hanging out and then you, you see my junk drawer, there's this little multi-tool and like, Oh, that's cool. That's pretty handy. I'll give you 10 bucks for it. It's like, more valuable to me to keep this than having to like the money I would make off it is like not as valuable as me not having to walk into my cold fucking garage and grabbing my tools every time I want to like adjust a little screw on like, you know, one of my appliances in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it's not. Yeah, it's and when he's clear, he's clearly a leader in that room. He's played well. um, And yeah, it's just like they're. I'm not the biggest intangibles guy, but I think when the margins are that thin for what you're getting, because obviously everything has a price, but at a, if you, if all he's going to, if the market wasn't there, like, yeah, you don't have to move on from them. Like whatever, either you can maybe flip them in the summer based on how this year pans out. But yeah, it's not, that's not, it's not like you're missing the boat on a lot of value for him or something, you know? And at the end of the day with uh Foss, the Rangers aren't, uh, you know, they're not held to the flames when having to negotiate with them. I feel like the Rangers can make an offer and neither Faust or his agent are in a position really to demand anything from the New York Rangers because at the end of the day, I feel like Faust realizes what he is. He's a, uh, you know, a versatile player that can kind of do a little bit of everything. I mean, if you had to throw him out there for the power play, you can do that. Obviously he's a, a big penalty killer and you know he's just an energy player and you you know what you're going to get he's a safe player for the rangers to keep uh he sets a good example for this young team and honestly if they end up doing making the playoffs he's going to be a very valuable 
piece to a playoff team because uh, don't forget the last time they made the play- playoffs, Foss was one of the better players uh, on the Rangers and he was very noticeable. So, you know, his experience and his knowledge of the game, uh, you know, is probably more valuable for this young team than it is elsewhere. And I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Kreider signing, the Shea trade, um, and well, I was going to ask whether or not they, you think the accident has affected anything. And I, and I well, truly don't think it really has. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it has either. There was, there is some speculation going around that it is possible that Butch would have been a guy who would, they would be maybe thinking about moving on from, but because he got in the accident, it's kind of poor form to trade him. And then that, yeah, there's, there seems to be some, some conspiracy theories out there that like, because that affected the whole course of the day, I don't necessarily think so. I, and I honestly, it's like, I mean, I guess it's possible if someone's like, we want Buchnevich and we'll give you a first rounder for him. But like, I think if a team called up and said, we'll give you like a second round pick for Pavel Buchnevich, like it's, he's not going to, Jeff's not going to move him. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's too much, too much likes to that. I think that's just just maybe, you know, speculative, you know, baseless speculation. But, you know, I don't know if it, I, I mean, the, I don't, I, I would, you know, I, when I, the more I think about it, I do think that it is very possible that could have had an effect on them, the Rangers caving for giving Kreider that seventh year because, yeah, I mean, because you can't come out and say, press conference, uh, we're trading Chris Kreider and, are you know i know things are going good now but our stud young goalie and this is actually an emily kaplan from espn this was her uh uh conspiracy theory so i'll you know give props to her for that but that you can't come out and say um we're trading chris Kreider and our last night our top right winger and young stud goaltender was in a car accident so they're gonna both gonna be one's day to day and, and one's out you know for possibly the end of the season so I don't, I don't know. I don't Maybe agree with that truth. at all. The only reason I don't agree with that is because the Ranger talks, it was clear that a deal was trying to be worked out on both ends for so long. Like, ha- like yeah, it, everyone had Kreider as the number one uh, trade piece, like the most valuable trade piece, you know, on the market. And, you know, he was going to get a King's ransom, but then you never really felt, like I knew you, everyone just said he was going to get moved and I'm guilty of this too. I kind of just said he was going to get moved because it's like, how the hell do you not move him? But at the same time, the Rangers really didn't, there was never any legs to any team. Like there was no like clear cut team where you're like, Oh, I heard they're, you know, offering this for him. Like, you know, the Rangers going to do it. You kind of just felt like, Nope, the Rangers and Kreider's agent, forget his name. were uh, Matt talks. Cater. Yeah. Cater. Yeah. And they were, you know, they were in talks and, you know, I just feel like if the Rangers were going to trade them, there was enough offers on the table. And people said that there were enough talks between teams and the New York Rangers that I feel like the Rangers would have pulled the trigger before the trade deadline, knowing that, you know, teams would make other moves. I just don't think that the accident on Sunday night changed enough for, for the Chris Kreider situation. Yeah. And honestly, the things that you were hearing about potential returns, like from people that were connected or maybe had sources throughout the uh, various corners of the the interwebs, um, nothing really blew my skirt up. You know, you heard a lot of if it was Boston, it would be Trent Frederick of first. And I don't know, 
like Danton Heinen, which is like, all right, like none of them will probably ever be as good as Kreider, but they're useful NHL players or Colorado would be Jost a first and Martin Kaut, which again is like, yeah, like Kaut is a good, is probably be a, a good third line, possibly second line in a, at the best of circumstances player who's got a good motor, but he's got a heart condition and Jost is a bit of been really inconsistent. So he might be what he is at this point. So, and you know, so you're like, all right. And then the only thing I heard is that the Rangers were trying later to push, like we'll take the amount of pieces down. If you uh, offer us like a prospect, that's intriguing enough. So at one point I had it's I had there was a rumor going around that apparently Dallas they were talking to Dallas and they were pushing for I don't know if Dallas was offering him, but they were pushing for uh, uh, Jason Robertson, who plays in the AHL for them right now for the Texas Stars, who's been pretty good for them. So and he has a lot of upside and that actually really intrigued me, you know, but you didn't really hear anything concrete. So, yeah, I just I kind of always had the sense that. The Rangers were definitely using Larry to try to and, you know, just their various uh, media uh, outlets to try to pump his value up and see if a team would offer the moon for him. But other than that, I think they they knew that it was more another guy. It was probably more worth them to resign him, you know, just based on his age, but still his uh, physical attributes and what he means to that team. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it was just the writing was kind of on the wall that they were going to try to squeeze you know, get maybe push uh, some someone come out of the woodwork and offer the moon for him. Then they move on from him. But I think it was more or less a pretty much a foregone conclusion. He was going to resign. Yeah. So to go back to the question I had before, whether or not the Rangers were buyers and sellers, I really do think that the Rangers were buyers, but not right now. I think they set themselves up with the Brady uh, trade in order to sign the players that they truly want going forward. That's a great point. With that being said, who are those players? Because there's gonna there's gonna be have there's gonna be moves that are gonna have to be made, and especially with uh, also protecting players. So something's got to give. They're obviously not gonna go with three goaltenders in the future. Uh, we can talk about the goaltending situation going forward and little cryptic messages that Hank was sending. But let's talk about the the defensemen going forward because you know that's that's where we need to address. There's a couple players obviously that need to get signed. So let's start there. Yeah. So I mean. Obviously, this money for with Brady's money, it, you can see where it's going to go. It's uh, it's going to go to probably Tony D'Angelo. And uh, one thing you've heard uh, a lot of people talking about is like, oh, D'Angelo played on the left side in, in junior. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's he's a guy that it seems like the Rangers want to hold on to. And I, I mean, I, how could you blame him based on the season he's having and how he's found his footing? Uh, and he, being part, he's, I think he's the one guy who has done a very good job partnered with Mark Stahl, like, and Mark, I, I even, I give Mark credit every time he has the puck, he just gives it right back to Tony, which is perfect. It's exactly what I want. You know, like I think Mark, we, his, his warts have been less noticeable because he's been, uh, you know, he's been deferring to Tony more and making sure he can get it to him first and not trying to do too much. And, it's kind of helped. And I actually, I actually did a little bit of digging and I looked at, especially last night with the Islander game. And I looked at uh, some of the possession numbers and like Mark and Tony were actually very, weren't bad, uh, you know, albeit 
markets a lot. Every now and then he'll in the offensive zone, he'll put uh, D'Angelo with with uh, Adam Fox to kind of like stack the deck a bit. So he does take a lot of shifts and Mark obviously gets like limited minutes, you know, in his own end. They're definitely trying to. Yeah, they're definitely trying to uh, limit how much he's defending. Yeah. What what's the obsession with moving D'Angelo to the left? Because right now, well, I think it's because Smith, I think Smith, Lindgren, and Stahl all play the left left hand side. Yeah, well, I think it was I th- it was more about the future and that the Rangers have so many young good assets, possible uh, possibilities for the right side between if uh, Nils Lundqvist, who has now officially broken the record for pe- uh, def- points as a defenseman uh, in Liga in the Finnish Liga as for an under twenty player in their history, you look at him, uh, Tarmo Reunion, uh you know, it's like it's I just think they just for whatever reason, it's just th- that the Rangers have such a glut of defensemen on that side that they want to keep Tony. But at the same time, they're looking at the allocation of dollars and who's going to cost what. I think this seems to be preemptive speculation about how to keep Tony in this core and not have him get forced out somehow by making too much money on the right side between how much they're paying Truba and Fox. You know what I mean? Especially if Nils Lundqvist eventually forces his way into the conversation. Well, but, I understand that, but that really wouldn't be for another two years. Unless yeah, there's I a agree. buyout. And do you think that there's a buyout for stall over the summer? That's, you know, I have heard, I mean, Larry's spoken about it a lot that a buy a stall buyout is a possibility. And, you know, I, it's like you're, the end is in sight. If you don't need to do it to make the dollars work, I say you hold on to them until you absolutely have to. Um, I guess I assume in the summer they're going to have to reassess and see where guys are at and how Just, they play. But I, wish I mean, we were it's kind of like a scummy organization to the point where like maybe we could somehow like convince him to go on like long term IR. Yeah, I don't know if he suddenly gets a, you know, Chicago's very good at that, but and they're an original exactly. 16. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the end is in sight. They Rangers essentially the Rangers need to make it through next season because then Stahl, Lundqvist, Smith, uh, the Shattenkirk buyout all pretty much comes off the books. You know, Shattenkirk will jump back down to like one point five, but that that'll be all the dead money they have. Did you say Brendan Smith? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So all that money, that's, I mean, that's a, ton that's a lot of money. money. So the Rangers are going to have a ton of room, but it's just next season. They're going to be tight and, you know, Strom needs a new contract. Foss will need a new contract. Uh, Tony will need a new contract. So, yeah, I mean, so listen. realistically, they're going to sign Tony. So that sure is up to D for next year. Unless there's a buyout, you're looking at what you have right now. You have Smith, Truba, Lindgren, Fox, and Stahl, D'Angelo. I mean, right there, you're set. Yeah. So, uh, unless there's a buyout, things are not going to change there. And then, so moving to the forwards. You have uh, the KGB line, KZB line, and then you have uh, obviously Panarin uh, on the left wing. Now Strom's the question mark, and then Jesper Foss is the question mark. Where do you see all these players kind of fitting into this uh, situation? Because Strom and Foss seem to be the big question marks. Yeah, I think Strom is the linchpin, obviously, for the forwards because – He's going to have a, a career best playing with Panarin. So there is obviously some. Yeah, he has uh, an importance to this team in somewhat. But at the same time, 
you know, he's playing with Panera. And so you ideally there. Yeah, it's like we've spoken about this on this podcast before that there is a you you can't overpay a guy like that. Yes, he's got his worth and it, it'll probably and he's 26. So this will be the last he makes three million dollars. This will be the last contract he can get. I do think there's a team out there that's stupid enough to. Uh, to give him a, a good amount of money. I think I think he's a guy that could probably he could probably make Pajot money. Honestly, he could make five somewhere. But as a 26 year old giving Ryan Strom five million dollars when I think in a. You know, he's probably a in I think in reality, Ryan Strom is a third line center who is a perfect, but who co- his game complements Panarin so much, a guy who can drive his own line that. uh yeah, it's just kind of perfect, but you just really, you know, watching, looking the money that's that, you know, there's a lot of money wrapped up in Jacob Truba and Kreider and uh, Panarin. And eventually you're going to have Mika's going to have to get a raise based on his play and Buchnevich if they unless they choose to move on from him. I wouldn't su- I will say this. I would not be surprised if they move on from Pavel Buchnevich this summer. I think it would be a mistake to move on from a guy like him instead of a guy like Strom. But just that's just what where my thoughts are. You know, I do. I think it, I think they'll negotiate and see what Strom wants, but I do think. Uh, although I am surprised that Strom is a re- restricted free agent, but which I think helps them. But um, yeah, I. I yeah, but here's the thing: I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, listen, I want to keep both Buchnevich and Strom. Uh, people like bash Strom, but at the end of the day, like, who are you going to bring in a center? Then who? Then what are you going to do with the lines? Who's going to play yeah. with Panarin? Howden? No, he's terrible. I mean, like, what are you gonna do? You literally don't have Heedle and Heedle and I don't think Heedle's there yet. I unfortunately to I, yeah yeah no, and Heedle's Heedle's not there, and I don't think Heedle's game complements Panarin. So at the same time, you have this kid who's I'm pretty sure Strom is going to be smart enough to say, "All right, I'm not going to demand a ton here, but I do want." term i think he's going to keep his cost low and his term a little bit longer and i think he's kind of has that right i mean no oh his, yeah this look is at listen, his stats he, this year i mean he he's been very successful and then you could also say you know well panarin's having a career year with me as as a center as a driving force on that line and you know what they've kind of thrown in a few players on the on the right hand side uh Foss is there right now and you know I would honestly try to move on from try to free up the space with you have Foss leaving the books and then and then I don't know I mean like you, you gotta you gotta keep Strom unless you're gonna address the center situation elsewhere because let's face it we we don't have a second line center Strom is that guy yeah. right now I will say when I heard the the Rangers were talking to Carolina I was very curious if they were gonna turn around and try to flip Trocheck to the Rangers. So, and I thought, Oh, that, that kind of solves it. He's a guy I think could play well with Panarin. Uh, and he's young or actually I think they're the same age, him and Strom, but, um, but he's a guy who's proven he can, his metrics and that he can kind of drive play a little bit better than Ryan can. But yeah, to your point, they do have, we do, we do forget that Strom's only 26. He's younger than Panarin. And if he looked, you know, knows not to look a gift course in the mouth. And he recognizes that. Yeah, I have a good thing going here. And he said repeatedly that he finally feels like he found he felt 
you know, obviously getting drafted by uh, the Islanders and then how he having promise early on and then just kind of being lost in a drift for so long between them and Edmonton. He feels like he's finally established himself as a, you know, an older guy, even though he's only 26 and he's the feeling the room is good. He's part of it. He's That's old uh, for the Rangers, though. Yeah, he's a he's a fan. The youngest team in the league. He's a he's definitely a, a locker room favorite. The guys love him. He's a positive guy. Him and Panarin have been good. No matter any way you slice it, they can they can they speak the same language uh, when they're on the ice together. So, yeah, I think like anything else, it I, you know it all comes down to dollars and cents. If they can, he's a guy I actually maybe wouldn't mind giving so much ter- more longer term to. I know we talk about term a lot, but. If he's you're going to keep him with Panarin unless that well dries up suddenly, um, I think they you just ha- I think the number has to be kept down. That's my only thing. I don't even he's one of the r- rare cases where I care more about the dollar amount than the term. Because Usually term is sticking point with guys for me, you know, length. But as long as Panarin's there, I think if they keep me, yeah, I keep the keep the number down because he's only he's 26 it's a good time for him to be signing a contract because even if it is ends up being he's not going to get seven years. But, you know, if you give him five years, it takes him till he's 31. All right. I can I can kind of deal with that. You know, you just worry that guys like Strom who aren't the best skaters, but they're nifty. Those guys usually hit 28, 29. All of a sudden they hit a wall and they literally collapse, you know, whether it's uh, Stepan or Broussard or, you know, these guys. Yeah, just uh, but, you know, we'll see. It's just about keeping the keeping that number down it's it's listen it's tough to find centers like him it's tough to find centers in general right now he's our number two center whether you like it or not and unless you have a a backup plan on how to bring centers in, this team is not going to be able to do what they did this year next year if you don't bring back ryan strome and just kind of leave it be and put hedel into that position or or however you want to approach it it's just not going to work it's not it's i mean the kid is a perfect match for Panarin this year. Now I cannot guarantee anything can happen in the future. I don't know if this is, you know, a flash in the pan, but at the same time, you know, we're not really in a position to be bringing in a, a, a bona fide number two center to, for, for that, uh, uh, for that line. And then do you really want to put uh, Panarin with Zibanejad? I mean, I know it's a flashy, sexy line and, and, uh, you know, it could probably really do some damage, but, then you're really top heavy. And the whole point of being successful, the only way to be successful is to be balanced throughout that, you know, the whole lineup. And, you know, this has been part of the Rangers success that they've been able to have four lines that contribute, you know, these past uh, 10 games where they've gone on an eight and two run. So uh, it'll certainly be an interesting summer. I do think that they're going to have to make one big move up front in order to, to survive next year and, and still be relevant and kind of grow you know, it's it'll be a shame that if we have such a good year, we miss the playoffs, and then next year we kind of see ourselves, uh, you know, uh, take a huge step back because we're kind of jammed in terms of not being able to pay certain players. And then, you know, everyone's like, you know, let's get rid of Strom, sell him high, sell him high, and then you have nobody to fill that void. And you know, Panarin, you know, only has eighty five points for the season instead of the probably one hundred five he's on pace uh, for you know this year. So. I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of factors going into next year. No, yeah. And I will say this. If you look at Jeff Gordon's track record the last few years, he's done a very good job moving on from guys while they still have value. And 
you know, he uh, moves on from Stepan to get a first D'Angelo. Uh, he moves on from Broussard to get Mika fucking Zibanejad. Uh He's now moved on from Brady Shea because it was a little bit of a regrettable contract. So he's shown that he knows when to make these moves. So, uh, yeah, and hell, even getting, you know, if you, you forget that, we got Strom from for Ryan Spooner, who he got, it, you know, in the, the Nash trade, which is underrated trade by Jeff. Holy moly. Rick Nash, who literally was out of the league the next year, retired. I mean, un- is unfortunate with concussion issues. But, you know, Nash for Ryan Lindegren uh, first, which I think we used to select. Uh, was it was it what we used to select Nils Lundqvist, which would have been amazing because one of our we had three first round picks, right? Uh, so I believe that was the one. Yeah, yeah so it was the last pick in the first round, right? Yeah. So literally for Rick Nash and uh, I forget like a third round pick they got. Oh, and I'm sorry. And we also sent Nick Holden, right? Yes. Uh, but for Rick Nash and Nick Holden, the Rangers were able to get Ryan Lindegren, who's our current first top pairing defenseman. You know, if he's that and he, he I guess he is as long as Fox is there, but he you get uh, Nils Lundqvist, who just broke the record for uh, rookie scoring in Finnish Liga in their history for an under 20 defenseman. You got Ryan Lindegren. You got Spooner, who they then knew when to who came in hot and then they flipped him because he was struggling for Ryan Strom, who's now going to have a almost a 60 point, probably a 60 point season with Panarin. Like what an underrated trade. You know, oh, and Bolesky, who's been really good for Hartford, you know, so. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, that was definitely a great haul, uh, what they were able to get for him. But at the same time, you know, water always finds its level. You know, we might not be able to get that again for a long time. And, you know, uh, let's face it, the Rangers are in a a cap hell next next year because it's a shame because, again, Shattenkirk is going to haunt us. That's six million dollars that hits our books and. It, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass. I think Girardi's hit comes off, so it negates it a little bit. It's uh, so, you know, I think going forward, the Rangers are really going to have to try to find depth up front. I think we're in a very good spot uh, on the back end. Uh, goaltending situation seems to be on lock as long as we uh, start taking the subways instead of driving. And, you know, I don't know. I think next year will be I'm, – I'm nervous because how good the, we are this year that we're going to take a big step backwards next year. And it's not because of anything other than we're in a, a tight situation and we're just unable to really bring in that depth that we need to sustain another year of, uh, of being productive. So um, with that being said, the Rangers, um, you know, we did talk about, you know, all these trades and, and I'd be remiss to – uh, you know, basically, I'd be remiss to not bring up the fact that I myself am making a trade, but this one is in my uh, in uh, the, my sock cabinet, my sock drawer, because I'm trading <laughs> out. I'm trading out all my old stinky, holy dress socks that I've worn for the past, you know, probably ten years, and I'll be, you know, bringing in these beautiful Southern Scholar socks that we received this week. Uh, Can't say enough good things about them. And, you know, Southern Scholar is a hockey player-owned menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. 
Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world. Seriously. Crafted with their own, their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns. Their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop, or you shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll save money using the code THPN. That's THPN like the hockey podcast network. Yeah. For for you guys listening at home, these socks are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, And, you know, I hate those dress socks, which are really a super thin material. You know, they look really nice, but then they're almost like borderline Lycra or very thin. These are beautiful. Yeah. uh, Just absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, we were lucky enough to receive a few. We're actually going to be, uh, giving away some socks in, a, com- in some coming episodes. So stay tuned for that. We'll be sure to tweet out details. But yeah, uh, big fans of Southern Scholar socks. And uh, like I said, they they were nice enough to send us some Rangers uh, colored socks. So we got some nice reds and blues going. And I know, James, I'm sure on, uh, I know you're going to a wedding on Friday. So the Rangers will be at the Bell Center. So, but I'm sure you'll be uh, showing your support with uh, your Southern Scholar socks. Oh, and if you don't think I'm going to be bragging about these socks all night long, you're crazy. I mean, let's face it, Southern Scholar, they do they know the sock game. They're they're good at what they do, and I respect that. And uh right now they're the nicest looking socks I got in my drawer, so I'm definitely going to be showing all showing them off all night. But uh so do you want to get into the New York Islanders game? Obviously, it's a rivalry night. Uh, you know, the Barclays or Coliseum, or I don't even know where they play anymore. Uh, just, just a rink out in Long Island was buzzing. And, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little scared going into this game because I thought this could have been a huge letdown game in terms of, uh, losing Shea and having the accident happen. It's tough to mentally focus. You hear Kreider's got the flu. He's not himself. Uh, uh, you know, George, Georgie hasn't played a game in a while. Uh, the Islanders are revamped. They loaded up. They're ready to go. They got Pajot. They signed him long term. Uh, you know they're ready to make their big playoff run where they'll probably get ousted in the first round. Uh, they're all jazzed up. So, uh, you, I know you had a fun night watching the game. Why don't you you, uh, you know, break it down for us, James? You know me. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a pretty measured guy, right? I'm. My takes are usually glass half full. I'm usually kind of wishy-washy. Well, they did this, but they didn't do this. Last night, the Rangers probably were sluggish. But, you know, we spoke about they've been through a heck of a lot, like you said, in the last uh, 48 hours. Not knowing who's going, losing a guy like Brady, Chris getting resigned, finding out two of their players were in a car accident, uh, flu going around, Kreider's got the flu. It's, you know... Uh, their goaltenders hasn't played in a while. 
So there was a lot of reasons why they were probably a little sluggish, but they persevere. Hell, they even, uh, when the Rangers, I mean, when the Islanders tied it up with uh, 30 whatever seconds to go, you kind of, it kind of felt appropriate. You were like, yeah, you know what? They've been holding on all game and it, it caught up with them. But then Panarin, who I thought actually had one of his, uh, at least on terms of in his own end, I thought he had a pretty horrific game. He had a lot of bad turnovers, but he still ends up having the first goal off of a beautiful feed from Lindgren, who was amazing. Him and Fox were absolutely tremendous that whole game. And then he with th- you know steals the puck in OT, has three Islanders, I don't know what the, the F they were doing, draped all over him, makes a pass to the middle to Mika, who literally with an old-time clap bomb from below the circles just blows it by Varlamov. And uh, you know, I erupt out of my couch. And now I'm in such a good mood. I'm like, you know what? They gave the Islanders a point, and they, but honestly, they probably got away with one, but I don't care because this is important. Every point's important going forward. They need to win, especially against teams a- ahead of them. And then for four, the next 24 hours, I've been reading nothing online about the Truba hit was dirty and he was head hunting, and the Rangers are lucky that the you know, the Islanders were missing players and that they were unlucky and they ragdolled them all game and the Ranger fans are delusional. And I, I just, I got to say it, it, what, what do you want from us? It's not our fault that you gave up a first and a second for a third liner. Who's 28, who's shooting damn near 18% for the first time in his career and you gave him $5 million for six years. It's not our fault that you invest in a guy like Derek Broussard who fell off a fucking cliff and is now has going to what end the year with 30 points on the year. It's not our fault that your septuagenarian GM goes out and tries gets Andy green, tries to get Zach Parise because he's trying go. to return your team into the, the 2008 New Jersey devils. Like everything is, Everyone else's fault. The league is out to get us. Truba leaves his feet. It's a head hunt. Like even after there's no supplemental discipline, you know, and the guys look at Michael Dalcole literally has his head between his legs as true Truba lines him up and tries to tuck and go low. And it's just, I literally, there's not, there's not enough salt in the Atlantic ocean to describe what's going on in long Island right now. And I'm usually not like, I, you know, I, I usually have respect for the other fan bases, but it, today, it was just the last 24 hours has been ridiculous for me, and it's embarrassing. And I understand you're losing your playoff spot. And, oh, God, if if Casey Zizekas was here, we would have won that game. You can't put – you couldn't put the puck in the fucking ocean right now. Your team of, you know, your 30-year-olds who you just skate around and play a good system under Barry. But at least when he won the Cup, he had Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Backstrom. And, yeah, Matt Barzell and a bunch of nobodies are going to get it done. So – Listen, that's all I'm going to say. I just I no. I'll just, I'll continue it. I'll continue it. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm passing. Like, if this is a relay race, pass I'm passing the, the baton. Give me it. Give me I it. Pass give the me baton. It. Go. Run with it. it. Talk about injuries. Okay. We first off, number one, we traded one our top four defensemen uh, literally the other day, so we don't have him. 
And in replace of him, we have a guy who hasn't played defense in maybe three years and that usually plays on our fourth line as a forward, now playing top minutes with Truba, the true, true train, and he just demolished your guy who had his head down like a freaking idiot, like a, like his peewee hockey. Why don't you start blaming your teammates for giving buddy passes in the middle of the zone? What do you think a defenseman's not going to step up there? Give me a break. You got NHL players ranting on Twitter talking about how much of that was a clean hit and basically just shut your mouth. Boots your cross. You don't know what you're talking about. You never did. I once watched you uh, call a college hockey game, and you said the guy was all alone. He was on a one-on-two. He had two defensemen defending him. The guy dumped the puck in. So you can go straight to hell. I hate you, Butcher Cross. And third, no, I'm. You know what? Because I, you know, why I'm going crazy? Because I'm extra hydrated, drinking all the Islanders tears that I I had all day long on Twitter. To you know, talking about the hit. You can take the hit frame by frame. He does not leave his feet. He's on the ice when he makes contact now yes it's a collision the bodies go yes it's not like he just like hit him and like leaped into the air throwing his elbow out there that didn't happen you guys are just making stuff up and you want to talk about injuries oh i don't know igor our our goalie of the future who's nine and one and has goals against average uh lower than your uh friggin you know attendance that you've had all you know all season long in the past few years um and and talk about Buchnevich, who you know statistically and analytically is you know one of our better players on the team. Oh, okay. We'll talk about injuries. Yeah, give me a break. Don't even. I, I you know what? I don't even want to talk about the Islanders anymore because they're irrelevant. They're a team without a home rink. That's why your all stars leave. And you know what? You better ca- count the blessings that you have, Barzell. Please, like I can't even tell you. Without Barzell, your team would be irrelevant. That guy basically causes every single scoring chance you have. You can't score any goals. Uh, Barry Trotz has tried to turn his franchise around, but even he can't get players to come to New York and stay in New York. It's it's a joke. Uh, the New York Islanders are a bunch of you know whiny babies, and I cannot wait for this to come out, and I hope Islanders fans <laughs> listen to this because you know what? You need to hear it. You guys are irrelevant right now. You need a rink. You need uh, you need some more scoring depth. You didn't address it. You tried to bring in Parise. That's embarrassing. So uh, go to hell or Long Island. It's the same thing. I I will say that it is pretty obvious from the attitude last night and uh, the attitude on this podcast that these when you have two teams that are seem like they're fighting for a playoff spot and they're both playoff bound. The rivalry is good. So there's going to be lots of juice. I know. Yeah. The Rangers were on the the better side of it last night. uh, And where it's, it's good for, it's good for hockey. It's good for the national hockey league when these two teams are getting feisty and scrapping. And that game was amazing. You know, the, the, the eruption when Mika scored, Hell, you know what? I'll even give it to him. The eruption when the Islanders tied it up like that was it was just a fun hockey game to watch. It's good for the league. You know, there's a lot of animosity and and like we said, salty tears. But that's kind of what it's all about. Uh, Rangers have temporary bragging rights right now because they, you know, I think they're that's their the season with the Islanders is done, right? They played four games and the Rangers win three and the Islanders win one. So, yeah, they have bragging rights for now. You know, let's see. I guess we'll see how it shakes off, you know, but uh, youngest team in the league. I'm really proud of how they uh, they didn't take any, you know, any crap from any of the Islanders and far from it seems a few times they uh, there's a few big hits and uh, 
yeah, Truba sent Dal Cole to the the fucking phantom zone with that hit. I think he's still, you know, we you don't want anyone to obviously get hurt, but to James's point, you can't have your head down going through the middle of the ice. You can't have your head down, period. And if you're gonna corral and you know, it just yep, he had him lined up and and blam, you you skated right down Broadway and knocked him on his ass. So but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good to see that we have juices flowing again for this rivalry because that's honestly at the end of the day that's what you want. So, and I, the only thing I will agree with Islander fans uh, is I don't really think that was the goalie interference. I thought that was kind of weak. I know by yeah, definition, it, by definition, it's a goalie interference call, but like it should be interpreted. Like, on, like honestly, the route that he took—I forget who it was—that cut through the the crease and claim that you know knocked uh georgie off his you know off, you know out of position i just you know it's one of those things where it's like it's a hockey play the guy's coming through he didn't really make that much of contact where it affected the play at least in my opinion uh that's the only thing i'll i'll give the islander fans but you know what they're too busy crying about the hit that was perfectly clean you guys could have been crying about the goal that was disallowed and guess what you know what? I, I won't even really, you know, agree with you to the fact that, you know, the refs even made it up because they know they you know, made a horse shit call. They called, uh, I think, Strom right away. Yeah. Got a penalty. So they, yeah. they kind of evened it right back up. So I'm glad actually Strom got a penalty there. Otherwise, they would have been really bitching if the Rangers scored. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, it's uh, juices are flowing and uh, everyone's riled up and getting up for these games. And it's... Uh, like I said, it's good when it's not too one sided when you have rivals that are both kind of in the, in similar spots in terms of the standings and where they are on their trajectory that uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good for the league and it's definitely good for both either teams because it definitely uh, gives adds fuel to the fire. So uh, but right now, uh, like I said, uh, the ball is in the Rangers court right now, so. Yeah, so we got a couple big games coming up. We got the Montreal Canadiens uh, tomorrow, which would be, well, uh, Thursday. Uh, so it'll be, I guess, tonight when you're listening to this. And then they uh, then they play a uh, back-to-back. I don't know if it's a home-and-home home with the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, who, you know, again, are still in that third spot in the Metro and, and you know, fighting for, you know, uh, fighting for the playoffs. They're in that mix. So, um yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts going into it? And and then maybe we can wrap wrap it up after we, you know, give her a little projection here over the next three well, games. You have a win you have a winnable game in we know Georgiev is gonna start against uh Montreal, and then I guess they're gonna play Hank versus the Flyers, I guess, which you know is worrying to me because I definitely think the Flyers are the better of the two teams, although Lundquist in the Bell Center has been uh his yeah, his uh He's he hasn't been great there, so maybe that's why. But you know, the Flyers are playing good hockey right now. They they look like a team that's going for it. You know, they honestly they kind of resemble a little bit of the, those. You know, it's Av's first year there, and it kind of looks like that Rangers team in the second half uh, after he came to the Rangers for the first year. You know, you just have to watch how they look going forward. But for right now, they look good. You know, they have a good they have good good talent. Uh, a lot of good young players have some good older guys. So that's definitely going to be the, the matchup. Um, what I tell you, I tell you what though, the Rangers better take these next three games serious, uh, seriously, because, uh, after that they got, um, the next, let's see the next four out of the next five games 
They have to play St. Louis, Washington, Dallas, and Colorado. Good luck. You have the Devils in the middle of that, you know, shit sandwich. So you better come out flying these next three games and grab at least at least four points out of those six possible six that you can get. Yeah, I mean, they got trying to keep the hope alive, right? It's it's still unfortunately for the Rangers, if if they were going through this, you know, this miraculous run in any other division, they'd be in a good spot. You know, right as it stands right now, they are if they were in the Atlantic, they'd be uh, they basically be two points out of third place with two games in hand. But, you know, no such luck. They're in the right now, the most uh, competitive division in the National Hockey League. But uh, you know what? I mean, it no matter the people keep throwing around this, that no matter what happens, that it's just good for the Rangers to be in this experience. Yes, I absolutely agree. But you know what? For right now, we got it. Everyone's got everyone has to take this seriously. And if they don't make it, they do need to be disappointed because that's what being a team that's competitive is all about. You know, you have a team that after sending out the the letter two years ago, they're already right. They've they've kind of reloaded and they've kind of, they're ready to come back. And now we have a uh, actually we have some high offensive talent. We have some depth coming. We have a good pipeline. We have a good AHL team. And yeah, you, it's funny because we were talking about Carolina before and you said they didn't want to take a step back. Those, you know, those markets, they, you can slip, look at Arizona. They're cling to again. This looks like another year. They're going to miss the playoffs. Like Buffalo, like the losing just brings on more losing. I mean, the Canadians. Yeah. yeah, It's just like, the one thing I'll give that I think the Rangers have done an excellent job about is that they've always kept their, 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 you know, their, their expectations have been realistic, but they're always high. You know what I mean? And the losing has not, and they've had, they've had plenty of reasons on paper to, to not be as good as they are, you know, between being the youngest team in the league and all this, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, you know, especially with some of the uncertainties on the back end, but here we are, you know? So if I think as horrible as it says to say this with, you know, with the car accident and trying to stay afloat for, for gear, you know, until Igor can get back and, you know, Butchie gets back in the lineup, we might see him. He's going to travel with them. He skated today, but you know, it might be, but you know, they've, they, this is a team that, hasn't let any excuses creep into that locker room, you know? And the one thing I think that they've done better this year is that when they win an important game and they have a a back to back, they don't lay an egg the next game. They find a way to get it done because, and they've said it a few times that it doesn't matter if the the game where you, the gutsy efforts on an, a road game means nothing. If you then go home and lay an egg, right? So on back to backs, it's not about, you know, it's not about having a strong performance and then feeling good about yourselves and then losing. You can't be satisfied. So hopefully this team isn't satisfied until they're on the inside looking out, you know. 100%. I mean, uh, you know, right now the Rangers are uh, 8-0 on the road. I think they set a franchise record for that. They've won four in a row total, uh, only losing to the Bruins in that little mix. So, uh, you know, again, uh, the expectation, I think, has transitioned into the playoffs over the past uh, few weeks. I think uh, there's there's light at the end of that tunnel, 
and we'll see if we have enough juice to get there. It's going to be tough because every team's going to bring it. Uh, you know, Carolina got better at the deadline. Um, uh, you know, Florida's not going to give up. Uh, you know, even though they find a way usually to play themselves out of it, I, I don't think they're they're going to go anywhere. Especially knowing that they can possibly sneak into that third spot, uh, that would be huge for that organization. Uh, Columbus is you know has torts and he's not going to let that team ever quit. And you got the New York Islanders, who obviously we just discussed them and the situation that they're in. You know they they you know they I think they they have their eyes on that third spot in the Metro. And you got Philly, who who uh, will they'll never win a cup with AV, but they'll be regular season champs. So they're just always going to have that spot there. So you know right now the Rangers just need to take it one game at a time, uh, keep doing what they're doing, uh, play for each other, uh, and and just keep it positive in that locker room. And and you know. At the end of the day, you know, if the Rangers miss the playoffs, there's always a shot, uh, you know, in the lotto. Uh, got to root against Carolina, got to root for Florida, and got to root against Toronto. That's that's the remainder of our season. So it is what it is. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I guess uh, I couldn't – yeah, I, I don't think I could put it any better than that. So I guess we'll just wrap it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing – and I don't think we, you and I have, to, we maybe t- we talked about it a little bit last time, but um, you know, considering how much criticism David Quinn was getting at the beginning of the year, now that his teams are coming out ready, now that they're putting together better efforts, now that they're, even when they don't have it, they're doing a better job being aware and boxing teams out. And I know we, we spoke last podcast about, uh, you know, if the Rangers can get in, he's, gotta be in the the jack adams conversation you know i know and yes i know we already spoke about this but you know i think he again he deserves a lot of credit because even when stuff's going sideways or even you know sometimes when it was going well but for the wrong reasons it's important to just make sure you're you're never satisfied and you're helping this young team always keep their foot on the gas and they've done that so i guess we'll finish by saying kudos to him and uh i guess hopefully going forward it's uh, david quinn season thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at broadway boys pod and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or the hockey podcast you're listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockey new episodes every monday and thursday download at the hockey or wherever you get your podcasts from